That's just a free gift from us to you. It's a discipleship tool. Um, it's some of the songs that you've heard on stage, even the one you just heard, and some other things. It's done by uh, people in our congregation. Uh, we'll continue to add to that. I know Jeff kind of already mentioned this, but um, this is just something we want to give to you as, as a gift. There's no charge. No thing. You don't have to put your email in. You can just listen to it. Um, but we just want to give that to you as a gift. Um, Jeff and a lot of people in this church have been working on that since August. And so... Just really excited, yeah. <laughs> Just really excited to give that to you and then to continue with that. Uh, I'm going to pray and then uh, we'll get started. Um, Father, I thank you. Um, I thank you for what Jeff said this, this morning in our, in our leader meeting, just saying, even what we're going to talk about today, Lord, that everything we do is in response to worship and, and understanding who and why and what we're worshiping, Lord, helps us to understand why we do the things that we do. Lord, I just, I just pray as this new year starts and as uh, people are just re-engaging the church, Lord, that, that their hearts will be healed, that their hearts will be opened, that the, the, the truth of who you are comes through. And I pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the next three weeks, what we're going to be talking about and, and something that I'm actually really excited to, to talk about is finances. It's money, and I know people cringe with that and kind of think, and I actually did too. Um, anytime we've talked about money or thought about money, um, I really struggle with that. I struggle with, you know, I always feel like, oh, like, there's just this awkward tension when it comes to finances or money. Even people uh, this morning were talking to me, help me how to raise money for a, a mission trip. I just hate asking people for money and all these different things. And so I'm actually really excited to, to dive into what scripture says about money and about specifically about tithing and, and, and to talk about that and to see what God says about it. not my opinion, not the church's opinion, even not your opinion about tithing, but rather what God says. And I wanted to tell a, a quick story first, just because um, it'll help you hopefully relate and, and understand, but it'll just show you the misconception that we have with tithing. Um, I came to uh, Compassion Christian, or Savannah, it used to be Savannah Christian, uh, when I was in high school. And I remember sitting in service uh, over at the Henderson campus, and I was sitting on the, I can remember this clear as day, I was sitting on uh, the right-hand side, and I was sitting next to this uh, older gentleman. I knew who he was. He was a, a friend's dad. He's one of my friend's dads. And it was offering time, or, or it was time to give the tithes and the offering, and I'm sitting there, and I had no money. I mean, I was a 16-year-old kid, and I, didn't, I was, like, freaking out. So I asked the guy next to me, I said, hey, can I have some money for, for, for the tithing? Because the, the plate was coming, and I saw it coming, and I was like, dude, can I have a dollar or something? Can I have some money to put in the plate? Because like, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I knew you were supposed to give, and I didn't have any money, and I thought that it was based on what I did that I had to give. And so the guy gave me some money, and I put it in the offering plate, and I was like, oh, I'm good. And I think about it, I was like, that's not my money, it's his money. It has nothing to do with tithes or offering. I was just a, a kid, because that's what I grew up doing in, in kind of the Lutheran churches, you know. Dad would give me a dollar, and you just put the dollar in, and it's like, yay, you know. I'm good, I'm good with God. And, and I brought that into my experience with, with church. And a lot of us do the same thing. We feel out of obligation and duty, we have to give, you know, the bucket's coming and you're like, uh, put, just put something in. 
or just, you know, quickly pass or, you know, like give the kind of look over, like I give online kind of thing. Don't judge me, you know, and that's what we do. Um, we've even talked in, in meetings and processes of saying, like, maybe we give everyone a card so they don't feel guilty, but they could put a card in saying, like, I give online or like a little vote sticker so you don't feel guilty about the, the bucket kind of being passed and that mentality and that, that view of tithing is wrong. And that view of giving back to God is something that's ingrained in our culture and our minds. And I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's just a misappropriation of information over thousands of years in the church and how they view money and finances. I don't know. But I remember when I was 16 and I put that dollar and I thought I was good with God. And realizing and understanding what this is about, that, that's not the case. And so I want to talk about tithing. And, and what is a tithe? Now, a tithe is different than an offering. Now, I've been studying this for the last week or so, and I actually learned a lot myself about this. A tithe in Hebrew means tenth. It means 10%. So if you give 2%, if you give 5%, if you give 9.9%, that is not a tithe. A tithe is 10%. Now, an offering... An offering is something that you give out of excess. It's something that you give that's, we, we talk about it with our, our missions and, and global outreach and some of the local things and things that you do on your own, some of the missionaries you support, some of the, the different things that, that we do individually and as a church. That is an offering. Now, an offering is given out of excess, and I, I just want to say this and don't read too much into it, but if you do not have excess... You really need to see, because it's very unusual in Scripture to give an offering if you don't have excess. Now, a tithe, on the other hand, that, it's mandatory. That is something that God asks us and, and requires something of his people to do. And I, I want to dive into that, because already I see the, how dare you tell me this and this and this and this. Calm down. Let's look at Scripture. Let's see what God is going to reveal through that. You know, so... The truth of the matter is this, because people ask a lot of questions. Hey, should I tithe on the gross? Should I tithe on the net? All these different things. Less than 3% of people that claim Jesus Christ or evangelical Christians, less than three, like 2.82% actually tithe. So I don't care. <laughs> I don't care gross, net. What we do, what I personally do, is we, I, we do it on the gross, and that's something the church asks us to do, and it's something that we lead in. And I was thinking about this. I'm going to tell you another little quick story about this. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that story for later, just so you know. Now you can get excited about it. The Bible says to give your first fruits. 22 times in Proverbs, it says first fruits, first fruits, first fruits. It talks about your first fruits. The tithe is the first fruits. Now, the local church, Compassion Christian Church, Compassion Christian Downtown, is an New Testament representation of an Old Testament storehouse. Because a lot of us, when we look at Scripture, and we read the Old Testament, and we're looking at tithe, where is the tithe mentioned? All these things, you know, Deuteronomy and Genesis and, and, and all these different places, that's Old Testament stuff. Why are you telling me, I mean, Malachi 3.10, which we're going to look at later, it's like, why are you telling me all this Old Testament stuff? And the truth is, the Old Testament, they were agricultural people. They were an agrarian society. 
And what they would do is they would take the best of their 10%, their fruit, their vegetable, livestock, all these things. Deuteronomy 28 lists all these different things. And they would give it to the community storehouse, kind of the temple's storehouse. And that's how they would distribute it. They distribute it to the, to, the, to the Jewish leaders in the synagogue. They would d- distribute it to the widows and the orphans. They would distribute it as they felt God calling to do. And it was the best. It was the fru- first fruits. Now, in the New Testament, society has changed. Even in the New Testament, Roman Empire is flourishing, all these different things. There's not really agrarian society. You have theater. You have all these different things. People have different jobs. There's government and all this stuff. And they teach that, hey, this is now the same thing you did in the Old Testament, the, the local church, but, and we talk about it, and you see it when Paul talks in Acts and Romans, all these different things about how you give to the church, that, hey, this is the New, New Testament. And this is what used to be the storehouse is now the local church, and that's the model that we look at today, that a tithe, a tenth, 10% of your storehouse. Now, I'll be honest with you, if you're a farmer, and you don't make any money, bring some chickens. You know what I mean? Like, it's a tenth of your first fruits. Like, and that's what Scripture teaches and mandates. And I, I know we're talking a lot about this stuff, and they're like, oh, that's Old Testament stuff, and you're just using all these weird analogies to make me believe that we're supposed to do this in the church. And, you know, Moses just wrote about all this stuff in the law, and Deuteronomy, you're talking about Deuteronomy. Jesus came to destroy the law. Jesus came to destroy the law. We don't have to follow that stuff anymore. We don't have to do a tithe because that's all Old Testament stuff, Grant. We're Bible scholars, and we know that you're trying to trick us with your semantics and all these different things. But I want to tell you is this, that tithing predates Moses. A tithe was given before Moses was a twinkle in his mother's eye, before Deuteronomy was even thought of. A tithe was given, and I want to look at some of those scriptures. The first one is Genesis 14. So Genesis 14, if you want to turn there, if you want to mark it or just kind of make a note that Genesis 14, this is actually a really beautiful and weird um, kind of section of scripture. It starts in 1417. Now, Abram had just gone and saved his, his like knucklehead nephew Lot. Lot was doing just a bunch of dumb stuff, and he had to go and, like, kill all these people, and that's a different sermon and war and all that stuff. We'll talk about it never. Um, He does, he goes and he saves his nephew Lot. And when he's coming back, he's coming from saving Lot, and he has all this money and riches and art and gold and all these things, and he's traveling from the places that he just conquered. And in verse 17, this is what happens. It's a weird kind of interaction. After his return from the defeat of the Keldalormer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he said, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything, a tithe. 
Now, who's this Melchizedek guy? It's weird. First of all, no one knows where Salem is. No one knows who this king of Salem is. And a lot of historians, a lot of theological professors, and a lot of people argue, which I would agree with, that this is a a pre-incarnate Christ showing up in the Old Testament. That Melchizedek, because he talks about later in Hebrews, Melchizedek is actually Jesus in pre-incarnate Christ showing up. And Abraham is bowing down, and in worship, he gives him a tenth of everything that he has. And then later, Jacob's ladder. This comes in Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Jacob had just got done, you know, all this stuff with his brother, you know, Esau, marrying the Ishmaelites, and all, all these just weird things. Jacob has a dream. Starting in verse 16. God says, behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up on a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way, then I will go and will give me bread and eat things to eat and clothes to wear so that I come to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you full tenth to you. Now, Jacob just had this dream where angels were ascending and descending on this ladder, connecting heaven and earth. And he had this dream which stirred in him this reaction to build a place out of this little pillar and call it the house of God. Surely this place right here is a holy place. And out of a response to what he had just experienced, He says, I will give you a full tenth of everything that I own. Everything that you give me, I will give you. You see, tithing is always in response to worship, not to need. It goes even deeper than this because what we see later in John 1.51, John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus is talking. Jesus is speaking to his disciples after they kind of get to know, just start to get to know each other. Nathan just called his brother to come and be a disciple. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jacob didn't know it at the time, but what he was looking at and what he was experiencing, maybe not fully understanding it, that that ladder that he saw in his dream was Jesus Christ. And in response to having an encounter with Jesus Christ, he decided to give a tithe. 
Abraham, in response to having an encounter with Jesus Christ, out of worship, decided to give a tithe. You see, every time a tithe is given in Scripture, it's in response to worship. So what does that mean for us? How does that work for us, you know? Grant, you're using a lot of Old Testament stuff. You're using a lot of weird analogies and all these different things. But this is the truth. If we understand our relationship with Jesus and we understand how we interact with him, that our response to him will be a tithe. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For I know, for I know the grace of I gotta look it up. I had it memorized and I just dropped the ball. First Corinthians 8 9. I'm gonna see the first word and then get it. I'm trying to be impressive and then failed. First Corinthians 8 9. It's not even that. Paraphrase it. God says, even though he is rich, he decides to become poor so that in his poverty we might become rich. So Jesus Christ, being full of grace and mercy, being wealthy, coming from heaven, having everything bestowed upon him, he says, I've become poor so that you, in your poverty, that Jesus in his poverty now makes us rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor, that in his poverty we might become rich. Paul writes this and helps us to understand that it's not just about finances. It's not just about money. It's not just about these things. But if we understand who Jesus Christ is, that our response to him will be to give. And not just to give financially, but to give our lives. Why do you think that we moved announcements to the front of service? Because we were extremely convicted as a staff to say, we need to treat this not as an interruption to service. And that offering is a time that, hey, we're going to give you some information while you are, are passing the bucket, but rather in response to worshiping Jesus Christ, you give the same way that we treat communion. The same way that we treat anything, anything in this service is all of it leads to a response to the experience that we have with Jesus Christ. You see, the reason that we struggle with tithing the reason I struggle with tithing has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with our hearts. Because every single person, and I've talked to, to many of you, and I've seen this in my own heart, is the reason that we don't give and the reason that we don't tithe is for very valid reasons. The reasons that we don't do these things, you know, well, you know, I, I give here or I do this or, you know, oh, I just, I don't really trust that or I see the things that you're doing or the, the places that you're building and all this stuff and there's, there's poor people in Savannah and we could do this or we could do that and I, I hear you. 
I hear you. (laughs) I hear you and I know you because I feel the same way sometimes. And God has radically transformed my heart in this to the point so where I was at a place where I knew that I wouldn't be disciplined enough. And I'll just be transparent with you. I knew that I wouldn't be disciplined enough to give. Or at least if I did give, I'd do it begrudgingly. So I asked the church to take it directly out of my paycheck. Just because I knew, hey, if you don't, I can't guarantee that I will. And I recently repented of that. And I recently realized that I am stripping not only what God is doing of of blessing, but I'm also denying blessing in my family. Because James, even though he's two and a half years old, he never saw me give. My wife never really saw me. She she knew we were giving. But I was teaching my my children and my family is that, that, you know, this is an obligation and a duty and this is something I have to do. And now, once a week, sometimes every other week, I sit down at the kitchen table with James and he writes that check with me. And I say, hey, James, this is the money that we're gonna give because God has given to us. And I don't know if he understands yet or not and some of the checks have scribbles on them and, I don't know if they get cashed or not because of the the scribbles. But I had to repent. I was given money. I was tithing 10% on the gross. I was better than 7% of the people in the church. The problem is it doesn't matter about money. It matters about your heart. And we see that. Luke 11 42, it's the same as Matthew 23, 23, but I'm gonna go ahead and, and read it. It says, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe, you give a tenth of your mint, your rue, and every herb, and, and neglect justice and the love of God. These things you ought to have done without neglecting the other. Matthew 23, 23, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, and dill, and Cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You see, it's not a, a and or. It's a both and. You could be serving faithfully. I'm just gonna be honest. and trans- You could be serving faithfully. You could be serving in children's ministry, you could be loving Jesus, and you could be doing all these things, but you can be disobedient in finances. And you can be obedient in finances and give and and have them take it straight out of your paycheck, all these things, 10%, and you could be neglecting justice and mercy and loving other people. You see it in tons of churches. Churches of 50 and 20 people that have budgets that are ridiculous and they have all this money. And no one comes and the average age is 65. And they're just giving money and money because that's the thing that they do and they're missing one part of it. And on the other hand, and especially my generation, we don't trust anyone and we don't trust the church. And a lot of us have been ingrained with that and grown up with don't don't trust the church. You do it organically, organic this. That's why GoFundMe is so popular and Kickstarter and all these different crowdsourcing things because it feels organic and real. But what I'm telling you is God commands to give a tithe. And if you want to push back theologically, I would love to hear your arguments. 
But every time I see somebody respond to worship, it's with a tithe. 10%. Malachi 3.10. A tithe. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. New Testament, the church. That there may be food in my house and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down you a blessing until there is no more need. Why do we tithe? And a lot of people misunderstand this scripture. And they say, oh, if I give, that I'll be blessed. This is one of the dangerous, most dangerous things in our culture. It's the prosperity gospel. Never give with the motive of gaining a return. Never give with the motive of gaining a return. Now, God said he will return to you blessing upon blessing. But the root of that word is peace, not BMW, not house payment. You laugh, but there's thousands of people in Savannah that believe that. There's people who destroy themselves financially by giving with their credit card online because they are been told, and I've heard this said, that their credit card will be paid off if they give with their credit card. God is not a master of tricks. He's somebody that takes stone hearts and gives people hearts of flesh. You could give a tenth your whole life and be like the woman with the two mites who gave everything. Scripture never tells us that she was rewarded with a house or money or anything. But Jesus said, greater faith is she than anyone of these Pharisees. Why do we give a tithe or how should we give a tithe? We give a tithe, like I said, with no motive attached to it. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. We give because we do it to obey and honor God. You see, you know why? This is what I believe. And, you know, I take it from Scripture, but it's not explicitly there. I believe that God asks us or commands us or offers us the ability to tithe because it destroys materialism in our hearts. Why is it so difficult to give 10 cents on the dollar? Think about it. Why? You know why? Because just like you, I love money. And the reason that we give 10% is because at least to a small degree, it destroys the hold that finances have on us. And so in response to Jesus Christ, the way that he has redeemed and restored my soul, the way that he's healed people in our congregation, where he's healed marriages, The way that he's restored people very in this very room have been broken because of finances or addicted or whatever. And Jesus Christ has come and stepped in and restored and saved you. And he did the same thing for me. And that's why I sit at my kitchen table with my son and I give 10% and I don't think twice about it. And I'm saying I could use that money. That's a lot of money over a year. Even if I just made $10,000, that's $1,000. Every single person in this room could do something with $1,000. It's a lot of money. But Jesus Christ has done more for me and more for you than a million dollars. And if you make more than that, then 
a billion dollars. And if you make for that, come talk to me afterwards. The problem is what I talked about last week. Did Jesus Christ pay your phone bill or did he give you life? This shouldn't be a hard topic for us. And the truth of the matter is, and I said this in the lobby, and I, I didn't think I was going to say it from stage, but I am. If everyone who claimed Christ in this room said we will give 10%, I don't care, gross or net, we would never have to talk about money again. Except for when it comes to just correcting our hearts. We give to honor God, to destroy the hold of materialism of life, the other reason we give is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, that he died on the cross and he rose again and he's given us life. And you know what? Every single one of you, including myself, we want to, how do we honor God? How do we say, Lord, I appreciate it. I appreciate the life that you've given me. And we do it by serving. We do it by loving our neighbor. We do it by loving God. And one of the ways that we do that is through tithing. Now, I'm not saying that God will love you more or less if you tithe. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we are called to obedience. And you have to make the decision yourself what that obedience looks like. For me and for my house and from what I read in scriptures and what I'm teaching you is that God asks us to tithe and I'm gonna do what God asks in response to what Christ has done for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Um, I thank you that you helped me to learn and to repent. Lord, and even after being a believer, even a pastor, Lord, it took me this year to really look at and understand why I give what I give. Continue to work in my heart and my soul, Lord, because I'm always a lover of money and things and finances. Lord, I just thank you for redeeming my, not just my heart, but my mind and transforming both with the blood that Christ shed on the cross. pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.